Episode 5. Geneva, the First English Study Bible. John Knox was born in 1514 in Haddington, East Lothian, where he served as a minister, theologian, and writer, spearheading Scotland's Reformation. The Church of Scotland was primarily shaped by John Knox, who led its separation from the Catholic Church, establishing it as a church in the Reformed tradition. The Church is Calvinist Presbyterian, having no head of faith or leadership group, believing that God invited the Church's adherents to worship Jesus. During his time in England from 1549, John Knox spent five years preaching and advocating for the English Reformation under the rule of Edward VI. Knox's influence on the Puritan movement in England was significant, and it was through his involvement in the English Book of Common Prayer that he made his mark on the English Church. Queen Elizabeth would later embrace this book as part of her efforts to restore the English Protestant Church. However, after Catholic Mary Tudor took the throne he was compelled to escape to France, eventually finding refuge in Geneva. The English-speaking congregation at Geneva chose Knox to be their minister, even though he didn't arrive there until September 1556. Knox departed for Scotland in 1557, but he soon returned, leaving again in January 1559 after being granted the city's freedom. Knox was impressed with Calvin's Geneva calling it, the most perfect school of Christ. Amid the English Protestant exiles at Frankfurt, a conflict had arisen between those supporting the English liturgy and those favouring the liturgical worship in the French Reformed Order. In an attempt to settle the dispute, John Knox and other ministers drew up a new liturgy, which was based on previous continental Reformed services. However, it still required some improvement. Upon arriving in Geneva in 1556, Knox released a revised edition of his work, which he had specifically written for those English communities living in the city. It wasn't long before Knox's Geneva book made its way to Scotland, as a result, some Reformed congregations began to use it. The Book of Common Order, also called the Order of Geneva, or Knox's Liturgy, was the first Reformed manual of worship in English. It was introduced to the English congregation in Geneva by John Knox in 1556, adopted by the Scottish reformers in 1562, and further revised in 1564. The ancient act of communal worship described in the book involves spoken prayers and sacred ceremonies. A book of common order, in contrast to a book of common prayer, seeks to establish a shared structure for worship without imposing specific wording requirements. The prayers are predominantly intended to be recited by the minister, following a tradition established by John Calvin. The Geneva Bible is one of the most influential and historically significant translations of the Bible into English, preceding King James's translation by 51 years. 16th-century English Protestants, such as William Shakespeare, Oliver Cromwell, John Knox, John Donne, John Bunyan, and many others, relied on the Geneva Bible. During the English Civil War, English dissenters turned to the Geneva as their preferred Bible. Oliver Cromwell's soldiers also greatly respected the Bible, including it in their own Soldier's Pocket Bible. A copy of the Geneva Bible's 1599 version was among the Bibles taken to America on the Mayflower. 
because the language of the Geneva Bible was forceful and vigorous, most readers preferred this version to the previously published Great Bible of 1539. The Geneva Bible is significant because, for the first time, a mechanically printed, mass-produced Bible was made available directly to the general public. The Geneva Bible is often seen as one of the earliest examples of a study Bible. It includes extensive notes and verse citations, enabling readers to compare passages. Furthermore, it provides useful study materials like introductions, maps, and illustrations made from woodcuts. Members of the pro-government Church of England disliked the Geneva annotations, which had an obvious Calvinist and Puritan influence. As a result, King James commissioned a new translation called the Authorized Version or the King James Bible. By early 1554, many Protestants had left England to live on the continent due to Queen Mary's rise to power. Under Calvin's leadership, Geneva began to evolve into the intellectual and spiritual capital for European Protestants. English Protestant leaders like Miles Coverdale, John Fox, Thomas Sampson, and William Whittingham all fled to Geneva, anticipating harsh persecution if they remained in England. Regrettably, their fears were justified as over 200 Protestants suffered execution by burning in England before Mary died in November 1558. In Geneva, a group of exiled Protestant scholars, backed by John Calvin and Scottish reformer John Knox, decided to publish an English Bible that did not require approval from English royalty. Their endeavours led to the publication of an English version of the New Testament in 1557. The task of preparing the New Testament and its preface was carried out anonymously. Evidence indicates that William Whittingham, an English gentleman and Oxford scholar, single-handedly completed the work. In support of this, there is a manuscript in the Bodleian Library in Oxford called The Life of Whittingham. It tells of a group of learned men in Geneva who met to examine the existing English versions of the New Testament, with the possibility of making revisions. The learned men mentioned were Miles Coverdale and Christopher Goodman, an Oxford man from Bracenose and Christchurch. Also present was Anthony Gilbean Thomas Sampson, the Dean of Christchurch. He had recently been close to the Hebrew scholar Emmanuel Tremelius at Cambridge and later in Strasbourg. They were possibly joined in committee by John Knox and certainly later for the whole Bible by William Kett, John Barron, John Pullane, John Bodley and W. Williams. Among these scholars was William Whittingham, who supervised the translation, now known as the Geneva Bible, in collaboration with Miles Coverdale, Christopher Goodman, Anthony Gilby Thomas Sampson and William Cole. Several of them became prominent figures in the Vesterian controversy. Whittingham was directly responsible for the first book, The English New Testament, published in Geneva in 1557, which laid the cornerstone for the Geneva Bible. The publishers decided to release the book using Roman font instead of the traditional Gothic style. They also divided the verses into separate paragraphs and included useful textual and explanatory notes. These characteristics would later appear in the Geneva Bible. In 1560, William Whittingham published the first edition of the Geneva Bible, which included both the New and Old Testaments. The initial English Bible, which now had verse numbers, also contained additional words not present in the original manuscripts. The translators marked the extra words in italics to enhance understanding and improve the book's flow. 
Whittingham's approach involved crafting concise and clear overviews for each book, to aid readers in comprehending and remembering the content. In due course, King James would accuse the summaries of being seditious, ultimately leading to the prohibition of the Geneva Bible in 1611. However, the enduring popularity of the work, despite the king's opposition, made the Geneva Bible a significant influence on the translators of the later King James Version. William Tyndale and Miles Coverdale became the first to translate the Old Testament directly from Hebrew manuscripts, building on their earlier English translations. William Whittingham, the brother-in-law of John Calvin, carried out much of the translation work. A fellow of Christchurch at Oxford University, a multilingual diplomat and a courtier, he would eventually take over from John Knox as minister of the English congregation in Geneva. The Geneva Bible was a Bible of firsts. The first Bible in English, translated from original languages and not depending upon the Latin Vulgate. The first English Bible translation intended for lay Christians, following on from Martin Luther's 1534 German Bible for the German laity. The first Bible in English to use contemporary verse divisions. The first Bible that used italicized words when English translation was required in addition to the literal Greek rendering. The first Bible in English with a commentary, making it the first study Bible. And finally, the first English Bible that had been translated by a committee and not an individual. This small book, measuring a moderate quarto in size, contained a wealth of information about the Bible. The text, usually printed in Roman type and presented in two columns with numbered verses, served as an encyclopedia of biblical knowledge. It was a masterpiece of Renaissance scholarship, printing, and Reformation Bible and was rightly popular and highly successful. Many people used it as their primary Bible during the late 16th and early 17th centuries. However, political and commercial interests emerged in 1611 that sought to diminish its influence, and by 1660, these interests had effectively removed it from public view. The Work of the Geneva Academy The Academy of Geneva was founded by Theodore Beza following the successful Strasbourg model. Its objective was to educate large numbers of men, particularly those interested in becoming scholarly ministers, regardless of their nationality. The academy offered an education broader than just theology, consisting of multiple faculties, and by 1560, the academy had expanded from 160 to over a thousand students. Geneva University's academics were beginning to emerge as European leaders in education and research. Renowned for their commitment to excellence, they implemented the most effective methods for teaching and conducting research across the humanities. At the same time, the scholars at Beza's Academy were acquiring proficiency in editing ancient texts. Many distinguished Englishmen had made Geneva an essential place to study by the end of the 16th century. The scholar printers of Geneva produced 22 versions of French Bibles, and it was in this context that led to the appearance of the first English Geneva Bible in April 1560. John Calvin was born in northern France and spent most of his life serving as a minister in Geneva, where he forged tight-knit relationships. Calvin's concepts, deeds and preaching had a profound impact on the Protestant Reformation movement, transforming Geneva into the intellectual hub of Europe. During his initial editorial endeavors, Calvin showcased a profound appreciation and admiration for the works of Greek and Roman writers as he worked through their classical texts. 
His most significant works included creating vernacular translations from Hebrew. He is famously known for stating, every person has the right to call upon God, salvation's door is open to all individuals. The printing of the Geneva Bible in English. At least two English exiles worked as printers. Roland Hall, an original member of the Stationers' Company in London, had set up his press in Geneva in 1558. The English congregation, particularly one member, the wealthy merchant John Bodley, whose son Thomas later founded the Bodleian Library, typically bore the costs of Bible production. This remarkable volume, the first great achievement in Elizabeth's reign, was not printed in London and Edinburgh until 1575, and then always in large quantities. The Geneva Bible quickly became the Bible of the English and Scots. In their homes, local reading groups and prophesying gatherings. It gained popularity by being the first comprehensive Bible study guide available in English. Its purpose was to provide enlightenment on various aspects of the scriptures, and over time, it underwent further enhancements that increased its appeal. The 1579 Edinburgh, Bassendine Bible was the first Bible printed in Scotland. It was a straight reprint of the 1561 First Geneva Bible in folio, and the authorities ordered it to be placed and used in each parish kirk. Originally dedicated to Prince James, it now seems to contradict his assertion made during the Hampton Court Conference in 1604, that he has just now laid eyes on a copy. After relocating to Geneva, Calvin began to revise Oliverton's French Bible translation. Pierre Robert, also known as Oliverton, was born around 1506 and was Calvin's cousin. Renowned for his translation of the Bible into French, he is credited with creating the first ever French version derived directly from the original Hebrew and Greek manuscripts. The English exiles in Geneva took inspiration from him, consulting the French Bible while working on their own translation. The 1560 English Geneva Bible included several user-friendly features, including book introductions, chapter summaries, and theological and textual notes placed in the margin. It even borrowed illustrations and diagrams from the French Bible, with many of the notes provided by Calvin's commentaries. The translators of the Geneva Bible did an excellent job in faithfully reproducing the original text from Genesis to Malachi, considering that 50 years had passed since its initial release. It was remarkable that 120 editions in various sizes had been printed by 1610, and all three versions were still available for purchase. The layout and presentation of the Geneva Bible helped shape the modern Bible into what it is today. Looking at the Geneva Bible, you can easily recognize similarities to our own modern Bibles. Here are some examples, chapter and verse divisions. Robertus Stephanus, a Parisian scholar who had moved to Geneva, is credited with creating the verse numbers, subsequently used in the Geneva Bible. Style of type. In 1470, Nicholas Jensen used black letter and Italian humanist lettering to create the first Roman typeface, modeling it from a European scribal manuscript style of the 15th century. Roman, sometimes called normal, is distinct for its upright style and simplicity. Jensen realized that by using less embellished letterforms, he could fit more text on a single page, leading to shorter books and faster setup times. The printers used the older black letter, or Gothic typefaces for earlier editions while the 1560 Geneva Bible was printed in Roman type. Marginal Notes 
Geneva, had a comprehensive system of annotations or commentaries, using marginal glosses, i.e. notes or brief explanations. Lawrence Thompson is credited with the annotations, having undertaken the translation of Eloiseleur's Gospel Commentary for the 1560 version of the Geneva Bible, a work originally pioneered by Camerarius. In 1599, Franciscus Junius also added commentaries on the Book of Revelation, replacing previous annotations that had been provided by John Bale and Heinrich Bulliner. Bale's book, The Image of Both Churches, greatly influenced these notes and even contributed to the content of Fox's Book of Martyrs. These annotations, particularly those from Junius and Bulliner Bale, were explicitly anti-Roman Catholic and reflected Protestant apocalypticism during the time of the Reformation. Apocalypticism is the religious belief that the end of the world is imminent, even within one's lifetime. The idea, that a catastrophic global event will soon bring civilization to a tumultuous end, usually accompanies this. The Geneva Bible started to be published in smaller sizes, making it easier to carry and more affordable than previous versions. Initially, the Geneva Bible was printed just in quarto format, but later on, Smaller octavo editions and a few larger folio editions were created by the publishers. By the late 16th century, the cost of the Geneva New Testament had decreased significantly, allowing people to purchase it for less than their average weekly wages. John Bale published his book, The Image of Both Churches, in 1545, providing a detailed commentary on the Book of Revelation, the last book in the Christian Bible. Bale took short passages, which he subsequently elaborated through detailed paraphrasing. In them, he would attempt to explain the meaning and significance of events such as the opening of the seven seals, the first beast, the second beast with two horns, the blowing of the trumpets and the horsemen going forth. He was particularly concerned with correctly identifying the Antichrist. According to Bale's interpretation, the book of Revelation foretells that during the last age, which will occur between Jesus' ascension and the world's end, individuals and a false church will appear, suppressing God's words and persecuting the saints who hold it dear. Bale identifies two types of churches. First, the false church, or church of Antichrist, persecutes those who do not obey its dictates. However, he does not entirely limit his criticism to the Roman church, but, typical of the Puritans, also accuses the young church of England. By contrast, the true church truly loves and teaches God's word. Some more controversial interpretations often associate the beast and false prophet with the papacy in both its political and religious aspects. Seventh-day Adventist writers also hold this view, claiming the image of the beast represents an unholy alliance between the Protestant churches and the papacy. They suggest the mark of the beast could signpost a universal Sunday law, as per Revelation 13 verses 16 to 17. Believing, that those who respect and keep to observing Sabbath on its traditional seventh day will be bestowed with the seal of God, while those who do not comply are likely to be marked or branded. In Christian eschatology, the Antichrist refers to people, prophesied by the Bible who oppose Jesus Christ and would substitute themselves in Christ's place before the second coming. Christian eschatology looks to study and discuss matters such as death and the afterlife, heaven and hell, the second coming of Jesus, the resurrection of the dead, the rapture, the tribulation, millennialism, the end of the world, the last judgment, and the new heaven and new earth in the world to come. 
The term Antichrist, including one plural form, is found only four times in the New Testament, solely in the first and second epistles of John. 2 John 1 verse 7 NRSV 1989. Many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Any such person is the deceiver and the Antichrist. 1 John 2 verse 22, NRSV, 1989. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. While the term Antichrist, derived from the Greek Antichristus, is exclusively found in the epistles of John, Jesus uses the comparable term, Pseudochrist, or Greek Pseudochristos, which signifies a false messiah. Matthew 24 verse 24 and Mark 13 verse 22, NRSV, 1989. False messiahs and false prophets will appear and produce great signs and omens, to lead astray, if possible, even the elect.